as always, let's start off with, tell me how you came to your faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. Uh, baptized as a little baby. Um, but we grew up in it. Um, yeah, we were talking about Luther. He, uh, My mother was Luther. My dad was Catholic. My mom was more serious. My dad was not. Um, and so my dad ultimately ended up converting. I don't know if that's actually correct word for moving from Catholicism to Lutheran, but we'll use it. And, uh, and so we were raised in it pretty seriously. My parents were pretty serious about it. So the, um, baptism grew up in it. I can't say that I ever had, you know, I was, I was, I was born reborn. Um, but then I would say later in life, uh, life circumstances kind of pushes you to God, unfortunately, fortunately. Um, but sometimes it takes a little bit of extra shove that direction. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly was my case as well. How old were you? When I was baptized or when I was, you just said when you had that life moment that kind of, well, it was several, it was a couple of things. Uh, 2012, it would have been, uh, my best friend was killed suddenly, Mm. strangely, still don't know exactly how or why, but, um, he was, uh, hit on the highway up near downtown. Strange circumstances, won't ever know for sure, but he was like a little brother to me. So he, um, that shakes you. I mean, you know, fortunately I can say that was the worst thing that had ever happened to me, you know, up to that point. But, and then from there, um, 2013, my daughter was born six months later. Um, my wife fell down the stairs with her large fracture of the skull, um, you know, grab her. I immediately see what's going on jump in the car, driving down college and near college near Quivira headed towards, uh, children's mercy, 110 miles an hour, mm-hmm. get her in there. You know, now it's uh, she's having brain surgery very quickly coding, you know, along the way. Um, and fortunately the, uh, physician was able to stop the bleeding, even though it was like a five hour surgery. I think we were in there halfway. They came through and they said, we just, we just can't stop. We just can't stop the bleeding, you know? And, uh, more or less, you know, that's the prepare yourself. And then we were like, okay. And, uh, say like an hour or so later, she came back and said, stop, stop bleeding. You know, she's gonna be okay. And so, um, yeah, heavy that way. Um, couple, couple injuries that sidelined me from business. Um, and then most recently, uh, that was my son, um, 2017, mm-hmm. Uh, we had a, we had a little boy and he died during childbirth. Um, and it was a placental abruption. Basically the plumbing of the, uh, uterus disrupts from its attachment and your, my wife's hemorrhaging, the baby's losing oxygen from the blood. And so he, he passed very quickly by the time we even got to, you know, we understood something was probably wrong, got to the, uh, hospital and he was already gone. And then she, um, was hemorrhaging, losing a lot of blood. They, um, you know, shot her down to what, uh, one of the hospitals up North where they have a blood bank cause she was losing that much. And so they ended up replacing her entire, uh, blood hold. And, uh, but then they ultimately had to do a emergency hysterectomy. And, um, so, you know, you're sitting there holding your lifeless child's body and they're wheeling your wife out to go to surgery um, and, uh, you know, time kind of stops right there. Very fortunately, very thankful, um, by the grace of God, you know, she was able to be saved, but you know, it was just heavy circumstances. Um, and like I said, you know, suffering tends to push us into the arms of God when there's no other answers or no, there's no one else can help you with that stuff. So, um, but I think from those experiences along the way, um, that has been, if you wanted to say, born again, um, renewed faith, strengthened faith, however you want to term that. So, so during the last one, that last really traumatic experience, can you recall what did that feel like or what was going on in your head with, what was that conversation that you're having with God? Mm-hmm. Um, strangely, you know, the passing of my son, I, mean, I was very focused on my wife. You know, I think uh, losing a child is very difficult, but my wife and I have been together since high school. Mm-hmm. And um, that one was something that I just 
was not going to be able to manage at that point in time. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, the whole, we're, we're in the ICU terminal and everyone in there, everyone else is stopped. Most other people in the ICU are probably old, you know, ale in some other way. This one was a little bit more acute. Um, and, uh, you know, the entire staff, all the physicians, they had every physician in, there. I mean, 10 physicians in the room because they're trying to figure out exactly what to do, how to go about this young woman. Um, just lost the child and how, how are we supposed to manage this and try to keep her alive? Weirdly, they have you sign all this paperwork. You, know? <laughs> you can't sue us. <laughs> Don't care. I'm not going to sue you. Please save my wife. Right. Please stop wasting time. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, again, you know, holding your child, they gone and they wheel her out and everyone else is just stopped and staring. And most, most everyone else in there is crying because it's just such a devastating, um, hard to reconcile for anyone witnessing it. So, um, I don't, I don't know if I had any conversation with guy at that point. I think he just, just like, God help me. Mm. Yeah. God help us. And How long did it take for your wife to recover from that? <sighs> she, she cried every night for a year. Mm -hmm. Every, every night I recall, um, the bed shook for about a year. Mm hmm. And then, you know, that first year of any type of loss or something's difficult, the anniversaries <laughs> happen on Mother's Day. Yep. So uh, Mother's Day, not a great holiday for us. We don't, we tend not to really do anything about it. Um, we certainly completely avoided it for the first, I think, three years. Took her out of town, away from things for a while. But um, she is a very, uh, very strong woman, uh, spiritually, emotionally. And I, you know, as much as one can be, she's, she's very well recovered. I mean, in the sense that I would define it, she takes zero medication. She does not have crippling anxiety or depression. Um, she finds joy where she can in our children. Um, we have great support system. And so I, scars, right? You know, mm. never fully heal, but there's scars and those will be that way for uh forever but i mean she took a while wow well thanks for uh sharing that yeah that was pretty uh pretty deep and obviously i'm very sorry to hear all of that so going back to you said that um your father i guess converted to mm -hmm. lutheranism um from catholicism to lutheranism what would what is the big difference there yeah. So, um, Catholicism, the history of Catholicism, right? I mean, you go back to all of, uh, European history, a lot of the, uh, Kings and Queens. I mean, it basically was a, um, oligarchy in a sense, but then also a theocracy. Uh, I think they ruled, they, they used the religion to rule and, uh, keep subject, you know, many of their, um, many of their, um, constituents. Because we can do whatever we want because God put us in control, you know. And mm. I, uh, I believe that that power was abused and um, that the Roman Catholic Church has a history of that. And uh, so you jump to uh, Martin Luther. He is uh, in Germany. I want to say the 1500s. It might be the 1400s. And um, he's, he was actually a, a devout Catholic and he was in he was so much in the realm of trying to get right with God because he knew he was a sinner. What can you do? Um, well, the, at that point in time, the Catholic Church, well, you can pay for your penance. You can buy forgiveness. You have to literally give us some money and we will give you the certificate of forgiveness. You're going to be back next week to give us more because that's how sinners. Uh, but he did anything that he could. He became a monk. I mean, self-flagellation. He would fast for days on end, weeks on end, trying to absolve himself um, because that's essentially what the church was teaching. And I don't know what his, you know, eureka moment was, but he, it, it, it all uh, ends up being, you know, the 95 theses. And mm -hmm. most people are familiar with that. Well, those are 95 points that he had problems with the Catholic church. He nails them to the door of the church and, um, I mean, he's, he's an outlaw, he's excommunicated, um, but that, that's the Reformation and that's uh, the, the birth of Lutheranism. Uh, 
solo fide, solo grazia, you know, only by faith, only by grace. Mm. And that was his, nothing else. You know, it, it is a gift. You're actually doing, you're doing too much if you think you can even receive this gift. It's mm. like you have your hands behind your back and someone tucks some money in your pocket. You can't even take it. Mm. Um, so that is the difference rather than a faith by works, which I think most religions are going to preach. Um, Catholicism certainly had an, has an element, had or has an element. I can't speak for them too much these days, but. Was there any difference that you saw in your father after he? Converted? Well, so that was before I was born. Uh, <laughs> so does he, does he talk about it at all? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And he was very unintentional. I think a lot of people are very unintentional about, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps their religion or their faith or most things in general, but he was, uh, uh unintentional Catholic. So I don't think he really gave up much. If that's fair enough to say. Um, but my mother was uh, a little bit more intentional raised that way. Um, so German, strong German Lutherans. Um, so, mm -hmm. so Lutheran, Germany, Germans, all the uh, immigrants, German immigrants coming to America were most likely some form of uh, Lutheran. Hmm. And that's with their stubbornness, that's non-negotiable. So I'm <laughs> guessing he did not have much to give. And um, so that was that. Mm. So is there any big difference in the Lutheran denomination compared to a, a Baptist or a Methodist? Or? And that usually... <laughs> The denominations usually are named after some point that they feel is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, I'm not going to speak um, for them, but they get Baptists, right? Like they, they believe that you should be cognitive of your baptism, that you should be present in your mind and old enough, able enough to accept it that way on your own. Or rather than babies, you know. I guess Lutherans the are baptizing babies. Yeah, that's the interpretation. Go and baptize all nations. Um, there wasn't really a qualifier there. Um, so, uh, discrepancies in between the denominations. Um, but I think reformation, like the reformed, uh, denominations, I think you can put them into a pretty strong umbrella and they're all going to be, uh, following and that would similar include, doctrine. That would include Baptist. Baptist yeah. Methodist too? Uh, you know, I, I don't. I'm not super familiar with all the rest of those. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm more familiar, obviously, with like Lutheran. Presbyterian. Baptist, yeah. Um, so um, I know at least those, they're all in the same boat. Mm. Yeah. If we're talking about um, just Christianity as a, a whole, do you have any favorite celebrity pastors that you kind of follow or listen to? Yeah, you and I have talked about uh, John MacArthur, mm -hmm. definitely. Um, and then Vody Bauckham. Mm. Um, and he's been... Pivotal, I think so. That was um, after our the incident with our daughter, who is she's almost ten. So this is you know almost ten years ago. My wife stumbled upon Vody Bacham and you know like just one particular sermon that hit, and then you grab his next one, and that hit, and then you grab his next one, and that hits. But it hits every time. And it hits every time. <laughs> and and he's Baptist, so he pulls no punches. Um, but he was um, saying the things that I needed to hear, and so. Um, and you, and you get that uh, that craving for more, mm -hmm. you know, like when you get into it, you're like, that's, and it's convicting and you get pinned and you go, man, um, that, that makes me feel poorly in a way, but then also, uh, you know, slowly changes your behavior and changes the way you see things and you just want to continue to consume mm -hmm. um, that stuff. But those guys are great. And uh, I, I rarely listen to any of their stuff and have any type of, well, they don't, I don't think they know what they're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, so. So your wife was the one who yeah. introduced Vody Bauckham to you. Yeah. And then you guys watch it together. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. I think there's such power in that when you and your wife are sharing um, even the most intimate theology mm -hmm. and beliefs there. I think that's very powerful because my wife and I, she's, uh, she loves John MacArthur. I mean, watch, we watch it every week. Mm -hmm. or even maybe daily, <laughs> I can hear it upstairs when she's getting ready in the bathroom. But I think that uh, has a lot of power to it. So getting to business, mm -hmm. uh, what is Flannery Chiropractic all about? Yeah, so I started, uh, graduated in 2012, and uh, my brother's a couple years ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And so he was, he was already practicing. And um, 
we both grew up lots of sports injuries. We'd been to chiropractors before. Um, ultimately, we met the chief chiropractor at church, and uh, he was doing the technique that we uh, use a lot right now, and the philosophy is centered. Uh, you know, what differentiates us is that we're focused very much on the soft tissue aspect of it. And you've been a patient, so you know. Mm-hmm. It's not the old come in, rack them and crack them, um, <laughs> as we say. It's a lot more soft tissue. And so a little bit more comprehensive. It opens up some doors to work with uh, athletics. Uh, my brother did internship with the Chiefs. Um, I've worked with KU. Um, and it's it's just a very effective method of chiropractic. And then the philosophy of chiropractic is overall just how to be a healthy person. Um, and so, you know, our philosophy, we, it's like we're saying this a lot uh, to our patients because they don't understand, you know, why am I hurting and all this. And, okay, this world hates you. It's trying to destroy you, you know. And if you don't have a formal plan against it, uh, you will lose your body, your mind, and your soul. And so we focus on the office. Uh, it's a lot about the body side of things. Um, but then we also get to, you know, kind of, touch on the other stuff as well so um an overall human health and wellness i think ultimately is how it is but we do fall under the category i think of a little bit more of a comprehensive sports medicine and or uh, pain management so it's an aggressive form of chiropractic care mm. and a lot of this is uh is this revolving around art yeah art is a specific uh, modality of myofascial release, um, soft tissue management, I think is the, is the biggest umbrella. How do we manage the soft tissue pathologies, not just what's going on at the deeper, um, realm into the skeleton. I think we get put in a box a lot back doctors. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would say, you know, the soft tissues, the, the muscles, they dictate what happens down at that deeper layer. So we have to break through that first layer first. Um, and then we can, you know, achieve faster, quicker, more permanent results, um, at the skeletal structure, but overall your body's constantly remodeling, um, at all times. And so we have to address the pathology that is currently there. And once we, uh, get that to a place that we're satisfied with, then we need to come up with a strategy to keep it, um, at bay, um, like I said, the default to this culture is it's going to get you. If you're not doing something, you lose. And uh, so as many different implementations that you can come up with to help move you in the right direction um, is absolutely worth, you know, worth the battle, worth the fight. So ART is active release therapy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if somebody off the street just asks you, what is that? What is ART? Yeah, yeah active release technique. Um, that is a specific, uh, under the umbrella of soft tissue soft tissue management under the umbrella of myofascial release. Mm-hmm. It is uh, specific to essentially what we are doing is we are trying to um, identify and uh, seek out the restricted tissues, soft tissue. So um, for instance, if we could talk about like golfer's elbow. So we have uh, multiple muscles that run right along at the elbow. Many people, you rarely do get it from actual golf, but these are plumbers, electricians. I mean, people typing, uh, that sort of thing. But all of the friction that occurs here day in, day out, um, cumulative micro traumas. Now we're talking about like a sprain strain situation. These tissues essentially pace together. Well, you've, uh, you, everyone's experienced like a rug burn, right? You know, that CP gooey that you get from a rug burn, those mediators, that inflammatory mediator, that's the same thing that's happening if you strain muscle tissue. We just can't see it because of our skin. But ultimately, what's likely happening is that is pasting that tissue together. We, we no longer have what's called uh, relative motion between tissues where they can move independent of them, each other. and They can slide and glide smoothly past each other. Now they're essentially stuck together mm. and they're not moving appropriately. So our job is to go in and identify those restrictions, those adhesions, and uh, to encourage them forcefully to start moving again, start sliding and gliding. Um, the other thing that we uh, deal with is just the tone of the muscle. You know, certain muscles, like our upper back and neck, that are constantly supporting our head, constantly supporting the strain of, you know, the big invisible thumb that is gravity that's trying to squish you all day. Um, those muscles are under constant strain, and so they just lock. 
and they no longer have the ability to just release and then lock and, and contract when they need to. And back and forth, they're just lockable 24 seven. We see this a lot, you know, people, uh, when they lay on our tables or anyone who's listening to this, they would, when you lay down at night and you just feel like you can't relax, that's, it's the same mechanism. So we go in and we identify those spasms, those hypertonicities, and we need to, uh, again, with our methodology, break that down and try to relieve, um, that hypertonicity. So would you say it's all about getting motion back in that area? Mm -hmm. Is restoring normal function to the muscle. Um, muscles need to be able to contract and relax, not just contract. And we're all in such a hypertonic, you know, state, fight or flight all the time for various reasons. And so we need to get in there and unlock and get you to relax first. And then we can deliver, you know, uh, an adjustment, restore normal range of motion to the soft tissue first, and then restore normal range of motion to uh, the joints at the deeper level. Why do you think there's so much back and joint pain today? We are... Um, completely under barrage by from the environment you know and so it is uh again emotional physical the stress the amount of tension that people carry around but basically again everything we do is bad for us so we sit too much we have bad shoes we walk on hard flat surfaces so our feet suck and that's your foundation uh, we sit too much so our hips are too tight that pulls on your back that strains your back mm. we're weak uh, we're just a big bag of goo these days. <laughs> uh, we're too weak to manage even the uh, the effects of gravity that is constantly compressing us. Mm. So there's endless amounts. Um, they do these interesting anthropological studies where they go to these uh, you know more indigenous tribes. They're still living the hunter gatherer lifestyle, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're walking around barefoot on softer, uneven surfaces. They do not sit, and if they do sit, they're usually sitting, you know, uh, cross-legged, or they're sitting probably on like, uh, you know, stump, something much lower. So they have great hip mobility. So they sit lower than, like, yeah. for example, how we're sitting. Hundred percent. Yep. Mm. And when you do that, it changes the entire dynamic of uh, compression in your spine um, and various other factors. Uh, they eat better than us, and so um, we could we could take someone from our culture and transplant them into their culture, and they would likely thrive. And vice versa, you see the same thing. Um, immigrants coming from other countries where they might have a little more of a lifestyle like that, and they come here and they quickly deteriorate. Mm. So I don't think it's a grand conspiracy of any sort. It's just we're a product of our environment, and we're the weakest people who've ever been alive on the face of this earth. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Uh, you think it revolves around just everything is so convenient? Everything yeah. is so easy. Sure. And the tech, like technology, mm -hmm. and we don't have to get up anymore. We have DoorDash. And we yeah. have, we can, everything can be brought to us. That's right. But it's silently killing us. Yeah. Convenience. Um, so stress, stress demands, um, stress demands that your body changes. Stress demands adaptation. And if we stress our bodies, which this is the whole point of taking care of your body and you take a care, take care of your body appropriately. Like we can use going to the gym, for instance, mm -hmm. you either don't go to the gym at all. And so there is no stress. Nothing happens. You continue to deteriorate. You go to the gym seven days a week and you lift as heavy as you possibly can. You're going to get injured because you are overstressing your tissues. Um, you're bypassing adaptation and you're just destroying. Um, if you go to the gym and you do the appropriate stuff, functional movements with some strength training, with some endurance, with some mobility, with some stability, you have invoked uh, the proper amount of adaptation by the, by leveling, you know, the proper amount of stress. Mm. So there really has to be a pretty, a pretty well balanced level of stress. Um, but yeah, I think that is, that's the issue is we're just weaker and weaker and weaker mm. in every way possible, mentally, physically, spiritually. Have you ever heard of the uh, term Asian squat? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the only reason I bring that up is because uh, I used to watch my stepmother uh, basically prepare food on yeah. the floor. Yep. And she would literally be squatting down feet flat, yeah. butt all the way down, you know, back to, uh, to the back of her heels. If I tried to do that, I would break something. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's a, the technique that I uh, 
teach my patients, you know, hey, if they're gardening and they're having to do something where they are, they can't do that. They can't do the Asian squat for long. Well, if you take a little stool out there and you don't rely completely on the stool, but you have it there, you know, just in case, a little safety net, Mm -hmm. but you are touching it. You know, now you can start to, you can do that a little bit better. You're going to save your back. You're going to save your knees a little bit more, but no, we, we, I don't think most Americans have the ability to do that for maybe at all, or if, if they can, not very long. Is it because we're sitting in chairs all the time? We never sit yeah. on the floor like that. Yeah, it's so, never a thing. So we have to consider ourselves as like, uh, we're an animate object that adapts to its environment. Well, mm. we sit in chairs, so we're going to take on, the, but we can't get much deeper than that, you know, and we're intolerant to most other things, but we sit really well for a long time, you know, mm. until you try to use your body in some other type of situation. And it's like, Oh, we don't do that. What are you talking about? You want me to do a functional, you know, movement? We don't do that. We sit all day. So anything outside, that's how efficient our body is. If you don't use it, you lose it, you know, that type of situation. And then when you start using it, it it does come back quickly, but you have to do it appropriately. Mm. Yeah. So I've known you for a long time now, specifically starting with seeing you for my low back pain that I've been dealing with since I was 17 years old. And that I ended up getting a, or having a discectomy at L5S1 mm-hmm. and re-injuring it over and over again. So what is the future for me in regards of how do I increase my quality of life through um, without having another surgery? Yeah. The three pillars I think that you can take away <clears throat> always is the uh, mobility, stability, and strength. And that's not just at your back. You know, that has to be full. It has to be the full system. So again, you know, we talk about feet a lot because it's your foundation. You can see when people have weak feet, they splay out, they flatten out, their feet fall in, that immediately throws off your foundation and it changes the way you walk and people start walking very stiff. They start walking almost like they have peg legs, you know, like what's the point in the rest of the foot? They might as well just be stumps, you know, and all that transfer, boom. I mean, they walk, if you listen to them walk across a wood floor, thump, 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 you know, but it really, you should walk like a ninja, you know, I tell my girls this all the time. I hear them upstairs. I'm like, you are tiny little people. And I, <laughs> and it sounds like a herd of elephants. Can you please walk like a ninja? Try to make zero noise. But if you try to make zero noise, how are you going to walk? You're going to, you're going to lead with your toes, aren't you? Mm-hmm. It's going to be very different instead of just slamming your heels in the floor and transferring all that ground force reaction up through into your back. So you're saying the proper way of walking is uh, maybe ball to heel? If, if it if it could be most properly done on a soft and uneven surface, you would probably, it'd be like a mid strike. you like your, your heel would kiss the floor. Not it would strike. not slam the floor. Mm. So going back to the people who are um, living out in the woods, mm-hmm. basically barefoot kind of doing the old school way, they're walking on, on hard floor all the time with the bare feet. Well, and if you're hunting and you're trying to be sneaky, you're definitely up on your toes a little bit more and you have to balance Mm. walking, like hiking through the woods, trying to make the least amount of noise possible is very different than just walking and romping through the woods. Mm. It requires a lot more energy, a lot more intentionality. Where do you step? It requires balance. You're, you're not just swinging legs through. Sometimes you might be stuck on one foot for, you know, maybe a couple milliseconds at least half a second to judge where you're going to step that other foot, mm. but you're not just slamming your feet around everywhere. So maybe there's more intentionality 100%. in the actual step. Absolutely. Rather than just plopping them down. That's right. So even with martial arts, we're always barefoot and we're on our mats. I've always said, I think that's a really good thing for, especially kids. hundred percent. It's a very good thing. I mean that as, as the foundation goes, so goes the rest of the system. Mm. And if we, I think, if you're having any lower extremity pain, if you're having any low back pain, if you strengthen your feet, things will improve for you. Maybe not clear it up all the way because there's a lot of variables, but it absolutely will improve your system because the feet are your connection to the floor. Like that's your first, that's your first way of managing gravity's uh, effects on you so as st- you move. So starting with feet, then what would be the next thing? Well, and then and so many, so many variables. It's like a, um, it's like a diagram and it's like, Hey, if this, then what, you know, and it's just keeps <laughs> cha- oh, then, and then this, and then mm-hmm. it just keeps like a big old tree. But in general, everything, you know, so your time spent at the gym should not be how much can I lift? 
how much can I bench and deadlift and all this, but what, what are my systems? Feet, ankles, knee, hips, low back, mm-hmm. upper back, mid back, core involved there as well. Upper back, neck, you know, shoulders. That's what you should be focused on. Because you, I remember you telling me you used to be a, um, all about the heavy weight. We used to train every, every, every which way. Me and my brother, we did Olympic stuff, but we did very, very, very heavy. And that was fun for a little while. And then stuff starts tearing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you had shoulder surgery, I think. Both. Well, yeah, both injuries. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> this is before. If we must talk about that. No, it's uh, <laughs> before, before you got older and uh, smarter. Yeah. Yeah. I learned lessons very, very hard. It's funny. I isn't that funny? Hard. We learn the lessons in the best way when it's through pain. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, the pain. I, I, I think very little about pain. I think about, you know, time off. Yes. I, I mean, well, I'm that's off, mental I'm, pain for sure. It is. It's so much more the psych pain, mm-hmm. uh, the emotional pain, that, but uh, failed my family, you know, yeah. can't work for four months straight. Oh my goodness. You know, if you're, if you were in charge of uh, leading your family and caring for your family and now you can't do that, that hurts. Um, the pain itself, whatever mm-hmm. that stuff comes and goes, I more or less inoculated to that. And I don't, think too much of it but yes uh the time off and, and the, the repercussions of being injured formally injured and having to have surgery and everything like that's a difficult you don't want that so, so when can i go back to basketball i have i have under my care i have gently escorted many men away from the sport of basketball <laughs> that's so hard to let go <laughs> we all we all have to hang up our cleats at some yes i did very early you know because you were a football player. Football, yeah. I enjoyed football. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, flag football, ironically, was is very difficult on your body because you're juking so much. Mm-hmm. It's the change of direction um, that you, I mean, every every game you walk away feeling like you tore something in your groin and your knee and your hips, something like that. Uh, regular football is just, you know, make one move and you stick and hit and then you go down. No big deal. But um, I, I hung my cleats up at 26. Mm. So Smart. Smart man. Necessary. <laughs> so I was watching the, uh, as I was watching the Super Bowl, or even just um, to the Chiefs play, uh, I also like to watch the NBA Memphis. So I really liked watching John Morant. But I was comparing the difference in toughness. <laughs> I mean, if you look at some of these NFL players, they are getting demolished. I cannot believe how hard they get hit, hit and then just get back up. Yeah. And then you look in the NBA and they barely get touched and they act like, you know, the worst thing has ever happened. And well, and there's a culture there. I mean, the culture of football is you break your finger, you know, it's bent sideways. You snap that back in place, put a little tape on it, rub some dirt on it and get back in there. I mean, there was, even when I was in there, you know, there's a culture of toughness in football. I don't think that's as present anymore um, in general, but it's certainly not present in other sports. I mean, if you watch the World Cup, man. As much as I enjoy high-level competition, I mean, these are athletes at the best of their sport. Mm. Very difficult to watch because they flop. And yes. uh, and that would never fly, you know, back in our day. That would not fly. You'd be sidelined or ridiculed endlessly. Um, so, yeah, I, I see that as well. Who do you think is the, out of all sports, who is the ultimate athlete? Are you talking like individual or are you talking sport to sport? Um, individual individual man i can't i'm not i'm not a massive sports fan across all things um so obviously kansas city patrick mahomes he was a multiple sport athlete um so you'd say a quarterback no i wouldn't no say i wouldn't say that yeah i would say a position in a sport yeah like for me i'm thinking point guard is basketball a point guard in the nba i I would say is the the all-around athlete i would agree so if you look at someone like john Morant, right yeah um, you look at the way he moves his body and, and that's oh, unbelievable. And I can't say, you know, uh, I don't understand all the sports. I, I don't watch them all, but I am a physiologist. Right. I, I'm, I pay attention to the biomechanics and the way that he moves his body is different than the way that most other people can move their body. So he has, I mean, he's very in touch with moving his, his body in, in space where he's at in space, which is incredible. And then you have to add the element of a ball flying around midair, catching it, you know, dunking it, you know, all, all the, it's very difficult to do that stuff. He has mobility, flexibility, and explosiveness all at the same time. Yeah. 
And that scares me because the injuries come so much more. So sixth gear, you know, I talk about sixth gear a lot in my practice uh, with my athletes. That's where you get injured Mm. because you can get into sixth gear. Maybe some people can't get into sixth gear. So they're not likely to get as injured. I was always injury prone. You call it injury prone, but I could do a couple things that maybe other people couldn't do. The sixth gear when you're just pushing yourself too far not, and you're not. Not pushing yourself too far. Sixth gear is when Ja does a spinning uh, jump, landing. So are you saying that's when he's going to get hurt? Yeah. Yeah. Or how about, um, uh, you know, the cheetah? We just lost him to Miami mm. and he's down there and the way he moves is different than the way most other people move. Um, and that scares me because he's going to, it's just going to take, he can generate that much force. He's generating more force in his body. And it's only a matter of time until some little muscle does not fire exactly when it's supposed to. And now all that force that should have been transferred up through that system, through the muscles is relegated just right through the joint. Boom. ACL. No, mm. something like that. Have you, uh, cause I think there's a lot of, there's this, wave of functional training that's kind of mm-hmm. really over um you can watch on a youtube tons of people like hip knees over toes that type of thing i was even watching um uh, what's his name Did you call him the cheetah mm-hmm. yes i know i called him the cheetah because i also <laughs> tyreek 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 hill yeah goodness gracious i know but i watched him do nordic hamstring curls with somebody just holding his ankles behind him and he's on his knees going up, but back up and down, up and down. So I had, I got one of those benches and I tried it on my, I, I can't even, I could probably do like one going down, but not going back up. The glute hand machine at the gym, nobody's ever on it. And it's one of the most essential. <laughs> and for young athletes as well, they're, you know, again, they're caught up in this old paradigm of, heavy squats and heavy deadlifts fair enough but like what a what a waste i mean Mm. there's other things that you can do and you're not going to get injured you're not doing axial compression on your spine where you're going to bust out a you're going to bust out a disc or something like that causing so much strain on your back um but i mean the explosiveness comes from your hips your hamstrings all that stuff yeah the nordic curls i mean pushing a sled you know Mm. compare compare that to doing squats squats your feet are stuck they're stationary when you push a sled, you have to use your toes. Like you're digging in your toe. So talking about foot strength, you know, now your feet are involved at least. And now your lower legs are involved and now your hips are involved. And then your back's involved and your shoulders are involved because you're strung out and you're shoving this, you know, heavy weight. So why is the sled so impactful? Because you push, because I do that. I've been doing this every morning and I think it's a great workout, but I push and then I pull. You yep. have the strap on my waist. Exactly. Why is it so impactful? Well, I think that's why it is because it, it, there's so much more involved than just standing there with weight, you know, on your back or on the ground. I mean, you're, you're hitting all these other little muscles that you're otherwise um, skipping out on with the squat. The squat is a relatively easy motion. It's just now, now where do we go from here? You just keep adding load, you adding load, right. load, load, load. But with the sled, you're, you're using, you know, your entire lower extremity and your mm. core um, and you're, you know, there's explosiveness to it. You can, you can change it up the cadence and change, you know, what is, what is your objective mm. squats? I'm not saying squats are bad. I think you should definitely be doing squats, but like if, especially if you're an athlete in training and you're trying to get the best out of it, you know, you should definitely be pushing a sled. So think about with a squat, obviously there's times that we definitely need that. I mean, you're going to squat down and pick up something or even squat to jump. Sure. But when do you need to have uh, the ability to squat a thousand pounds? Very rarely, you know, very rarely. And, and similarly with, you know, the big main three. I, so when I was in high school, we had, you know, a thousand pound club and it was, it was squat. And then it was bench press and incline bench press, which is absurd. Like we're trying to get the most weight mm-hmm. and we're using those ones. It wasn't even deadlift, you know. But I mean, cleans, for instance, I mean, far more functional than squats right, itself. Like right. why not? And you don't have to use as much weight. You know, I tell my young athletes, like you drop the weight and make the lift harder, you know, and that doesn't mean lift with poor technique or anything. It just means, so you could squat 400 pounds. We'll grab, let's do some cleans with 150 pounds 
and see what that does for you. Mm -hmm. Because now again, you're using your feet. You're using your lower legs. It's not just your hamstrings and your butt and your quads. Mm. So get more of your body involved. I mean, that's, that was, that's the whole like old, you know, the whole adage about the, uh, farmer strength. That's what they're doing. They're lifting and heaving and tossing stuff, you know, I mean, way more functional than just standing up under weight or lifting a heavy weight and not throwing it somewhere. Mm. So it's just how it translates into sports. Right. I've, I, I know I've, after, after I've gotten older that the more functional training I do, the less pain I'm feeling. So even like with stretching, I hate to stretch. Yeah. I hate it with a passion because it's so boring and just doesn't feel most pleasant. But even in the last two weeks, I've been stretching every single day. And long behold, the low back pain is slowly subsiding. Weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so explain why is that happening? Well, st- so stretch, like I said before, you know, my job is to identify, um, you know, the restriction in the tissue. Well, that's what you're doing right there too. You know, you're, 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 you're making it less likely that those tissues are going to become restricted mm-hmm. because the more you use it, the less likely you'll use, you'll lose it. Mm-hmm. But as you can imagine, I mean, jump back to the days when we were on the playground and we're swinging, you know, uh, you know, from the monkey bars. Now look at the middle-aged man's shoulders. If you threw him up on the monkey guards, stuff's going to tear for sure. And it's because we lost a millimeter here, a millimeter there over time, over time, over time. And now you can't do that. You can't mm-hmm. do that at all. Stuff's not at all ready to be uh, moved through that range of motion, especially with some weight behind it. So stuff's most likely going to tear. We see a lot of, you know, shoulder tears and middle-aged men maybe throwing a football with their sons, you know, because they, they don't have that range of motion. They don't have that strength. The, the small muscles are not conditioned or ready for it. Isn't that the same old story? The, the former athlete gets older and all of a sudden, and I, I, I'm, I'm feeling it now. Yeah. I, I, I I'm I'm there right now yep. where I think I can go back and just start playing basketball like I did when I was 20 and uh, go on at the same pace. Well, and, you have that neural pathway. Right. That's all there. It's all still there. Yeah. And I think that's the curse. Yeah. I, if it wasn't there, then I wouldn't have the confidence to get up, get back out there and go out 150% and then throw my back out again. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak, you know? <laughs> Gosh. I mean, uh, well. We can't have a physical prowess and wisdom. That's, mm-hmm. You know, there's too much room for pride there. I think, mm. I think that's by design. I think that God built us to deteriorate so that we would have to, again, rely a little bit more on him. You know, we gain wisdom, but if you take the wisdom of a 90 year old man and the body of a 20 year old, I mean, how much pride would come with that? That's a great point. I never thought of that. Wow. So God is slowing us down physically, so we I think can so. Start. I think I think it's a I think it's a piece of grace. Mm. He's preparing you for the grave. Um, obviously, when we're younger, we're indestructible, right? Like, I mean, you can't you can't be indestructible and rely on God. Mm-hmm. I think you have to understand very much that you are frail and brittle, and capable of being completely destroyed at any given moment. For you to actually go, ah, there's something need something bigger than me, something bigger than nobody else can help me with. You know, it's, it's inevitable what's going to happen. And the slow deterioration is but um, and just a kind of a, a way of him saying, yeah, it's coming. Mm. It's coming. And, you know, we could go at any minute, car accident, leaving this place today. Sure. But um, I think that that aging process is, a, you know, an instrument of grace. Mm. So you've learned a lot about the body. Do you see God in the body? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, my favorite thing, listening to. I feel like I've gotten to a point where I can listen to the foremost in any, you know, scientific um, scientific field try to explain away God. And I'm just going, man, you just, you, you're not getting it. Or like a physiologist who's talking about the human anatomy the, you know, the neuroscience, um, the musculoskeletal system. And you're like, yeah. And you hear them talking and you're like, yeah, I see where you're going. And then they just miss because they leave God out of it. But God is revealed in science and science points to God forever and always. And I always envisioned 
creation as God sitting there over those six days, rested on the seventh, right? Six days, and he's just writing out formulas. Like, as you can imagine, just think about, think about someone sitting down at a desk and just starting to scribble out all the formulas of physics, of mathematics, astrophysics, everything, you know, the human, the DNA, the genome. I mean, if somebody who did not require sleep and who was quick and, and powerful with, with a pen, you know, he could sit there, he could write out pretty much all his formulas in about six days. Hmm. And we're just discovering some of them today and we're patting ourselves on the back. I mean, I think it should be only and ever a position of, oh my, like we are, like it, sh- it should be uh, humbling, you know, that we're just phys- figuring out some of these things. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you're looking at um, the incredible human machine. And if you think that that's an accident, I just don't know how to get past that, you know. And, and beyond that, it's just like music or art emotions you know like what are what are what is the need for any of that um without god Mm. so shifting gears here uh how much do you think diet has to do with health uh living with with less pain really does diet play a role in that absolutely um my dietary advice is always focused around one thing and that's inflammation um, I do not tend to spend a whole lot of time talking to my patients about calories. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not as interested in weight loss um, for the sake of weight loss. I think that if we were to focus on eliminating inflammation from our bodies in general, so that's environment as well, but we're talking about diet. So if we started eating more of God's food and less of man's food, inflammation would decrease and we would be less prone to disease. But Today, in this day and age, like we talked earlier, convenience. Mm -hmm. Everything is processed, hyper-processed, and ready to go. You're hungry? Here's a bar. Unwrap the wrapper and eat the bar. Okay? Or drive through the drive-thru, and here they have this food ready for you. But you're eating this hamburger. You have no idea where it comes from. You have played no part in harvesting that meat. Um, They're allowed to put stuff into our food system that should be illegal. Um, a huge culprit right now is uh, canola oil, rapeseed, that was originally um, created for industrial lubricant. So they have these plants. Or we could take cotton seed, for instance. They have all the cotton. They separate cotton from the cotton seed. What are we going to do with all these seeds? Well, why don't we grind it down and turn it into an oil and use it for some sort of lubricant? And so they did that for a little while in the industrial setting. And then they're like, you know what? Why don't we start cooking their food in it (laughs) and the inflammatory uh, chemicals in these things are ridiculous and now we're now we're eating the stuff that's never meant to be eaten but canola oil is is definitely one of those ones and you see it in everything and they're almost proud of it too sometimes you know we use seed seed oil it's plant-based you know (laughs) and uh appropriately though it's rapeseed is is uh the formal name of canola oil so I always thought, I always heard that canola oil was healthy. Of course. Have you heard that before? Yeah, of course. Plant-based and all this kind of stuff, uh, mm. you know, so is, and, and fats are bad for you, right? I mean, the old paradigm of diet is, in my opinion, complete and utter trash. Mm. Um, I think in general, if everyone wanted to just start to make a change in their life, decrease inflammation, you start with a well-sourced meat. Um, well-sourced, meaning, you know, grass-fed, grass-finished, ideally. Grass-fed, grain-finished, um, if if you must. Um, but definitely stay away from these animals that are basically being bred to be morbidly obese, type 2 diabetic, and then we're going to bring them to the edge of death and then kill them, and then we're going to eat them, you know. Mm. Um, uh, for instance, you know, the red meat conversation. You will never be able to convince me that, a, an elk who is uh, an elite athlete of the natural world, mm-hmm. the reddest meat that you can find, um, a grazing animal, you're never going to be able to convince me that that meat coming off them, which is extremely nutrient-dense and, and lean if you care, but you're never going to be able to convince me that that is bad for you. You, will, you can definitely convince me that, you know, the uh, w- Wagyu beef, right? 
82 bucks a pound, I think maybe. And they're force fed, fattened up so they can get all the marbling. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the inflammation, the disease going on in that animal. Yeah. I mean, I, I would not advise eating that. Um, so a well-sourced meat um, and then as much fruit as you want. Maybe a little bit of vegetables here and there. I hate vegetables. I wouldn't worry about that. That's okay. <laughs> I hate them with a passion. Well, that's what our food should eat. So. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that's, that's how I get they're my vegetables. Eating, but they're eating it for us. That's right. And they're getting, <laughs> if they're eating the right stuff, they're eating those nutrients and their nutrients becomes, uh, uh, you know, adds to them being a healthy animal. And then we eat that healthy animal. And now we have those nutrients. Hey, um, that's all I need to hear. By proxy. I hate salads. I cannot stand <laughs> eating salads. A lot of people do not digest. Uh, I don't. Well. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't do well with my system. I think we all went through the Popeye stage where we're stuffing spinach into our smoothies and everything. And, you know, half hour later, yeah. I got to get to the bathroom, you know. Right. But I'm eating so healthy with all that. And then you cut that out and you shift your protein, you know, maybe over to uh, a, a bone broth protein. That's not mm. dairy-based because dairy-based stuff is processed So poorly. dairy, what about dairy? Poorly processed, typically, is the issue with that. Um, you know, they, they pasteurize it, right, to nuke all the bacteria because you don't want to get sick from the bacteria, right? right? But that also destroys all the enzymes and the good bacteria. We know there's good and bad bacteria, right? So that's, how they, that's why they used to have the milkman that came every day because it was raw milk. And raw milk is going to spoil very quickly. Mm. We should not be able to have shelf-stable milk that lasts for half an hour or a half an hour, uh, uh, 30 days. Yeah. You know, that's, or longer. Or longer. Same with the breads and everything like that. You know, um, we, are, we are trying to stabilize stuff with um, these chemicals mm-hmm. or genetically engineering stuff so that they can last on your shelf longer. They're not supposed to. So all of this, though, goes back to what you said earlier, which is Inflammation. Yeah, All of these things that you said, the chemicals and uh, the over... Preservatives. If you're, if you're preserving food, is your body going to be able to break that down? Mm. It's, chemi- it's being chemically preserved, and our body is supposed to break that down. How are we doing that? We don't have enzymes for those preservatives, mm. and those preservatives are essentially uh, making it impossible to break down. So, so now it's just going to get down into your gut and rot down there and ferment create a lot of uh, inflammation, start breaking down the, your gut lining. Now we have, you know, inflammatory bowel diseases or we have, uh, you know, the uh, leaky gut syndrome where now these mediators that should never be inside your body are now inside your body. Mm. What about processed sugar? Same idea. I mean, processed causes, infl- you know, pretty much anything processed is going to cause inflammation. Um, so I can't eat my cookies and pie anymore. You, if you want, you can. You got to change the what you're using. Like so, we use. I mean, there's coconut sugar. Yeah, it doesn't taste quite the same. Um, but eat as much honey as you want. You know. No, oh, I love honey. Yeah, yeah, there's sugar in that. I'm, I'm not concerned about sugar content from honey or fruit at all. But then you get hear dietitians and even people who are really trying to stay slim. They're like, oh, I'm not going to eat a lot of fruit because it has so much sugar in it. But sh- they're not wrong. Right. But is it the you same? Have to, you have to earn your sugars, though, I do say. So, and that comes back to going to the gym. You know, you, we store glycogen in our muscle and our liver. When you go to the gym and you lift weights, let's say you're lifting weights, it's swimming, for instance, even. It doesn't matter. Anything that you're really getting after it, you're going to burn this sugar off in your muscles. And then feel free to replenish it, especially if you're trying to do anything performance. So on that note, you know, it's helpful for people to understand, too. If you're trying to lose weight and you are constantly consuming carbohydrates, you're just rebuilding, you know, the glycogen that's stored in your muscles. If you deplete that glycogen, then your body will shift its fuel source over to fats. So if you're trying to lose weight, you need to burn off that glycogen, that, that sugar in your mm-hmm. muscle, and then you can start burning uh, fatty acids. Is that kind of the keto idea? It is. It is. Yep. Shifting our kind of shifting our uh, fuel source from carbohydrates or sugar-based over to, you know, fatty acid. Uh, what about somebody like me who doesn't, it's not really concerned about losing weight. Exactly. And that's similarly, I, I'm not at all. So uh, I, I eat plenty of carbohydrates um, and I try to pick the ones that are, you know, fruit. I mean, yeah, I eat, I eat a good amount of fruit and uh, I think that that's just fine. Um, you know, one thing that happens is people start going juicing. Okay. So like uh, orange juice, for instance, orange juice, right? 
So you're, you're missing out on some of the nutrients and you're missing out on some of the fibers that come from the actual uh, meat of the fruit. Mm. Um, and how many oranges would you have to squeeze to get a glass of orange juice? Like 10 maybe? Nobody's sitting there encouraging you to eat 10 orange, oranges, right? Mm-hmm. But you're going to consume. I mean, that that is a lot of sugar. I'm, I wouldn't advise that. And they take the, the pulp out, which is the fiber, which then offsets that, you know, um, the sugar spike in your blood. Yeah, right? yeah, it's about the glycemic index, um, and you can do, you know, now you can wear these patches that basically deliver all that information to you, which is which is pretty cool. Um, mm. I think I think I'll probably move that direction here pretty quick and try that out and just see how my body responds because everyone's a little bit different. Um, see how it responds to the thing to my diet that way. Um, but in general, if you're a healthy person and you move your body a lot, I would not be concerned about carbohydrates from fruits or other. Uh, you know, types of sources of uh, carbohydrates that are not, as long as they're not processed, hyper-processed. So move a lot and you can eat as much fruit as you want? Pretty much. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, how has God used Flannery Chiropractic to further his kingdom? One of the things that I enjoy most about my job is that we spend, because of our comprehensive um, modalities and, and our techniques, we spend a little bit more time I think than most physicians do with their patients, uh, 20 minutes on average. And, um, we get to know our patients. We get to talk to them and create relationships with them. And we get to talk about things, uh, wide spectrum. And, uh, sometimes it's all the things you're not supposed to talk about, which is politics and religion. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we get to talk to, but you, you get to share very quickly as you and I have, um, in the sessions that you've been in my clinic with me. Um, but you get to know some really cool people and, and, and get, just get to talk to them, encourage them. I mean, people are hurting always about a variety of different things. And, um, you know, you get an opportunity to share perhaps your life experiences with them to encourage them. Um, and just uh, plant that seed. Hmm. Um, you know, there's, it's not a mystery why depression and suicide are so much greater today than they were a generation ago we've completely removed god from society and we've completely removed god from all aspects of society on purpose um and people aren't doing well it turns out that uh us being our own god is not working and uh, we've had an old instruction manual the way of doing things and we threw it out the door the new instruction manual is not working well and so maybe we should reintroduce that old uh manual hmm. But I think uh, being able to um, talk with patients and develop that relationship, I hope I create a space where people are willing and able to talk to me about that sort of thing. And um, I'm not trying to offend them, but you know, sometimes God's very offensive and it happens. Uh, that's not ever the intent, but uh, it's, it's a powerful thing to introduce someone to God or bring his name up even when they're feeling poorly. Um, sometimes it's a negative response and, uh, again, not the intention, but it does happen. Hmm. What would be the most impactful book on your professional career or even in your life other than the Bible? Yeah, I would say, um, after the first couple of episodes, uh, with my daughter in particular and my first shoulder injury that just sidelined me for four months, you know, I couldn't work. Um, that's tough. That's tough for a young fellow who sacrificed time that most people do not and went to school a little bit longer and hey i'm ready to make some money and finally you know be the breadwinner and take care of my my wife's a teacher and mm. she was the breadwinner you know and uh you know thank god for that um but i was i felt like i was very ready to come out and here we go let's, like let's do this and I, it was within my first year you know and it completely destroyed any momentum in my practice um Anyway, that was that was that was like uh, it was a pretty low point there. And uh, the book Fearless is about Adam Brown. He was a uh, Navy SEAL, mm. and he just had a very interesting life story. And his life story, you know, just lots of adversity um, and lots of obstacles that he had to overcome. What it did was it gave me a perspective, and um, I think since and it triggered something inside me that was I'm always seeking out that perspective, and I spend. I've always had a military uh, history interest and um, those people put themselves in very difficult circumstances on purpose 
and the worst things happen to those people and the worst things happen in time of war. And that type of perspective um, has been very helpful for me because no matter what I'm doing, someone's been through worse. Um, and it's important to remember that. I think we put our, we get stuck on an island a lot. And uh, our human nature is to go, woe is me. I can't believe this is happening to me. Why is this happening to me? Why, God, are you doing this to me? You know, it's that's tends to be how it goes. And so um, most of my... Uh, interest reading revolves around, you know, people that have suffered extensively. <laughs> it it, gives, it just life. gives that perspective and it may, I mean, you know, I hope, and that's why I hope, you know, that I, if I have to, that I would suffer well. I, I, I think about that a lot actually is, you know, as Christians were, were called to, for, to uh, get persecuted. That means that you're a Christian and we're almost living in a world now that we just have it a little too easy. I mean, knock on wood, we still have freedom of religion where we can openly talk about this, but I think there will be a day that we can't. That's right. That it's, it's coming, right? I mean, yeah, I kind of feel it now, but yeah, uh, compare it to back in biblical times when people died for it mm -hmm. and yeah. were persecuted. The, when, it, when everything else is stripped away, and this happens in life and death, uh, circumstances and um, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death and I've been there and everything else is stripped away what really matters yep and you know if you if you've never been there if you've never considered that I would encourage you to do it because it will change the way you see the world it'll change the way you, it'll reorganize your priorities and I think we have very poor priorities these days. Mm -hmm. um, but to your point, you know, as persecution for Christians, yeah. I mean, we have it very good. Uh, when we're talking about right now, today, you know, over in the Middle East, they're being actually killed. Right. You know, um, so uh, I, can't, I can't say I've ever endured any persecution um, for being a Christian. Uh, not in this nation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we you you see it online. You see it's it's leaking in for sure. I mean, mm -hmm. people are more hostile. Like I said, we've thrown God out. So of course, um, people not only do they. I don't know if they don't believe in God. I think they hate God. Mm -hmm. And so, if we're representatives of His, yeah, you know, we're going to catch some of that flack. Um, but for now, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Mm -hmm. So is there a routine or some sort of something you lean upon? I kind of call it a life hack or we can call it whatever you want. That really keeps you productive and focused every day. Uh, routine. I am a habitual, you know, animal of habit. Um, so, yeah, the first thing, wake up. I have all of my different, maybe I've talked to you about this before, I better have my hand massager because I'm gripping all day. Yeah. I am a massager and I have some Normatex too, just for my legs and sit in those and get all that stuff going. And then I have my devotion, my, you know, my time, uh, just to get your mind right. I think it's extremely important to start your day off, not in the realm of social media because I've been there, done that before. And it's addictive. I mean, it's addictive and it's, it's an anxiety driver. Mm -hmm. Like, are we supposed to know, are we supposed to absorb all the world's trauma? <laughs> I don't think so. No. I mean, yeah. we like we should be focused on our household first and then perhaps our neighborhood and then perhaps our community at large and then we can move on from there. But I think starting your mind, getting your mind right and focused um, with gratitude, you know, thank you, God, for waking me up. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Don't deserve it. You did. I don't know how my heart keeps beating, honestly. You know, it's it's basically calcium and potassium sprinkling through creating a little lightning bolt in your heart and it keeps going and it keeps going i mean for people who don't believe in god explain to me that explain to me sleep how what a bizarre thing yeah <laughs> we just we lay down and our mind our mind kind of shuts off but doesn't and we just breathe automatically and Aut our heart autopilot. just keeps going yeah i never thought about that autopilot it's very bizarre yeah and and so laying your head down at night, did I do everything I could do today? Thank you, God, for all the blessings. Mm -hmm. um, and thank you for keeping my family and me safe today. So many people went to bed 
tonight having lost a loved one mm. for various reasons, car accidents, uh, disease, illness, anything like that. Thank you for that. You know, thank you for the roof over my house. We ate plenty today, you know. Mm. Don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Many people have had to. Many people do have to right now. First thing you wake up, thanks for waking me up. Definitely did things yesterday that you should have killed me for my in my sleep for you know. <laughs> that's a that's a Vody Bakken line. Oh, that, yes. that one I love that one. That's some truth right there. It is, and then so to start off with that gratitude and um, spend spend some time with him, um, get your mind right, and then while I'm getting my body right and ready for the day. So, Excellent morning routine. Well, I uh, am so grateful that you came on today. This has been very. Uh, really just insightful for me. Whenever we have our conversations, I always enjoy it. And uh, most importantly, thank you for healing my back and helping me be functional again and not like an old man who can't even move. I mean, there's still days like that, but that's why I keep coming back to you. Yes, it is a marathon. (laughs) It's not a sprint. I have to keep telling my that all, myself that all the time. So if somebody wants to visit you, what's your guys' website, Flannery? Yeah, FlannerySchiropractic.com. Yep. Um, that's F-L-A-N-E-R-Y. Not two N's. Not two N's. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, You're 135th and Knoll. 135th and Knoll in Leewood. Yep. Uh, maybe between Knoll and, and Rowe. Yep. Thank you so much. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Thank you. Cheers.